Good evening. Thank you for being here tonight. Now it's cold outside, but it's lovely and warm in here. And as we come uh, around God's word, there's something to say to, to each and every one of us as we gathered here in, in church tonight. And um, probably the word that, that, that is brought forward this evening. Um, I know the kids, if any kids are in, if you want to head out, sorry, just before. I know the kids' spaces on it. If there's any kids that are just heading out, just... God has something to say to each and every one of us uh, tonight. Let's just pray just before we come uh, to the word. Father, we come before you tonight. Father, we thank you as we look at the passage we're looking at tonight, Father God. You provide this tremendous grace that gives us the strength that we need, Father God, when we're feeling broken. Father, when we feel like the, 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 you're not listening to us, Father, or when we feel abandoned by you, Father God, uh, we are not. You are providing everything that we need. And Father, we come tonight because, Father, we want to hear from you this evening, Lord. We want you to speak to us by your Holy Spirit. And Father, we come and we devote this time to you. We turn off all the distractions, Lord, and we just focus on you for this next short time and listen to what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. There is, a, throughout the Bible, many people with stories of brokenness in their lives and how God deals with them and brings them through. Uh, two weeks ago, I, I shared the story of how Peter was broken by the failure of denying Christ uh, the night before he was crucified. And, and subsequently, the, the restoration job that, that, that he did with Peter uh, after that and then used Peter on the day of Pentecost to preach uh, the gospel because we, we've, we've said all the way through this there were, there were three points that we want to keep highlighting as we share uh, just, just through this series that, that, that God often breaks us to repair us and God often breaks us to use us and God often uh, breaks us to, to bless us and you know and, and so as, as preachers it's our job to keep telling you that repeating it so I've told you before, where any, when you do a preacher sermon, you know, the, you, you tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, then you tell them what you told them. And then finally, when you pray about it, you sum it all up, what you've just told them. Um, and so we do all of that just to repeat what we're, we're, we're saying, what I believe God wants to say to us. And so tonight, we're taking a look, another look at a Bible character, um, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul, and his journey of brokenness, in a sense, what he had to go through, um, and, and this will help some of us tonight because there is something that is in common to each and every one of us here that, 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 that we prayed about things and, and God has not answered our prayers. So we, let's, let's cut through probably the spiritual uh, stuff that, that is there that oh, God always answers our prayers but, but God doesn't answer our, our prayers here with the, with, the, with the Apostle Paul and that will encourage us tonight because of what God did do for the Apostle Paul and hopefully it will encourage you as well the promises that God made to him that God gave him so much more and so as we'll share that story uh, we'll share that few thoughts on that tonight but Paul really is we've called this tonight that, that I come broken and in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7 to 10 those verses um, you know we're just going to share the words that Paul has Paul was the apostle that wrote half the New Testament he went around planting all the churches he was uh, saved in a dramatic way on the Damascus road where where God in a sense broke him because he was uh, he was a the Philippians talks about him being in a sense a religious zealot 
He was one that thought that Christians were wrong and, and that, you know, they'd got in the way of the Jewish faith and all of that other stuff, just to give you a background. And, and God dramatically, God dramatically saved him on the Damascus Road. Uh, and he had such an encounter with God, it changed his life. It turned his world upside down. And he preached the gospel to, to everybody. The letters that we read in the New Testament are by, most of them are by Paul's uh, writing, that, that this is how God used him. And so he's writing to the church in 2 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 7 to 10. And he says this, he says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It encourages us tonight because if the Apostle Paul was struggling with something that he was pleading with God to take away and God didn't take it away but gave him the grace and the strength to cope with it, then it encourages us tonight that whatever it is that you're going through this evening, he says God has the grace and the strength to see you through that. The bigger thing is not that your prayer would be answered and you would be delivered or you would be set free or you would be healed. The, the, the main thing is what Paul writes in there when he simply says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is, it's everything that you need. And as we come through this uh, passage tonight, as we look at what God is saying to each and every one of us here, here tonight, there are some people that just simply need to hear that, that, that you've been looking for the answer from God but God actually is giving you an alternative answer, which is my grace is sufficient for you. It says everything that's happened to you, everything that you've gone through, all the difficulties that you've had, the baggage that you bring, the mistakes that you've made, the failures that you've had, the things that nobody else knows about, where you're looking for an answer from God, God is just simply saying my grace is sufficient for you. It's actually more important than the answer that you're looking for. That everything you need is tied up in my grace. Because that's what he's saying here uh, in a, in, to Paul. You see, before he writes these words in the previous verses, Paul had spoken about the tremendous revelations and visions he had received from God. You know, God understood this, that, that, that Paul was human. And so he'd received these visions and revelations. And he didn't want Paul to become proud. Because pride is something that is afflicted, uh, is that we as humans are afflicted with. And, you know, there is as much pride in the church sometimes as there is outside the church. That often there are people, if I had, had come to you this, this evening and stood on this pulpit with my microphone and, and said to you, God speaks to me, but he doesn't speak to you. I would be conceited, I would be proud. Even if God had spoken to me, it would be coming in the wrong attitude. But simply that's what was happening here. The God had used Paul, was speaking to Paul in revelations, in visions, in, and, and speaking to him. And Paul, because of his human nature, was simply drawn towards pride and conceit. Simply being full of yourself, your own self-importance. And when I say those two things, you're immediately thinking of somebody that you know. 
aren't you? Yes, you are. Don't lie, you're in church. You're immediately thinking of somebody. Oh, he's talking about that person. They're full of themselves, full of self-importance and stuff. And like I always say, you know, you're not thinking about somebody, everybody's thinking about you. So that's... <laughs> and really, that's why, why God then gives him, in a sense, he, he allows this to happen. Because God wants to teach him something more important than, in a sense, of God answering all of his prayers. And he's broken by this situation where he has a thorn in his side, and, and not a literal one, but something that, that keeps him dependent upon God. Because that's the purpose of this. Because like when we looked at the story of Jacob in week number one, God wants us to be dependent on him. You know, often at times as Christians, what we do is, is, is we come to God when we get saved and we're broken because, you know, we, we, we realize that we're, we're sinners and we can't, we, we can't get past that. We, we, we're not supposed to get past that. And once we get to that point where we accept Christ as our saviour, we think it's all about us and how well we live the Christian life. How well we mark up with the spiritual things. And actually, it's not about that. Actually, the realisation that we need God in the beginning is the same realisation that we need God all the way through. That actually, I haven't become, in a sense, better or stronger in myself and suddenly decided, well, you know what? You know, I wasn't the same person as I was when I got saved. I've become a bit stronger, so therefore, the need for God is not so much there. You know why I realise I need God more now than I have ever done at any point in my life? I said, his grace and his strength, and that maybe at the beginning I was more so, well, I could do part of this, I could do some of this. What's this Christian like all about? The further you go on down the road, you are dependent upon God for everything. And so here in this situation, Paul is broken uh, by this thought, and I'm going to share just three quick things that will help us here. Uh, the first one is this. The word thorn communicates the idea of pain, trouble, suffering, humiliation, or physical infirmity. There was just something wrong with Paul. There was something that, that, that he had that was, there was just something wrong with him. There was just something that was evident in his life that he had to carry with him that showed his brokenness, not just to, to, to God, but also to other people around. And they called it the thorn in the side. Now, some theologians would tell you, and I'm not one of those brave theologians, that the thorn in his side was his wife. But that's not true. Because a wife is given to bless you at all times. My wife told me to say that, so I'm saying it. His wife... Your wife may feel like the thorn in the side now and again, but it's not. It wasn't Paul's thing. It was one of these things. So we can knock that one out of the park if you've ever said that to your wife. So the second thing we see is this. Paul's thorn remains undefined. So all those that the thorn can readily apply the spiritual lesson of this passage to themselves. What I'm saying is this. Paul turned around here and said, that his, that, that his spiritual thorn was, for example, that he was deaf in both ears. Anybody who was deaf would turn around and say, I'm like the Apostle Paul. He says, I suffer from the same affliction as the Apostle Paul. And suddenly being deaf would be the most spiritual thing that you could think of. That's why it's, it's not mentioned. It's not mentioned because there is something that everybody carries. And for me, it's different from you. And that's why it remains here undefined. Your experience, what you've been through in your life, your story, the, the grief that you've suffered, the failures that you've had, that, that could be your thorn in the side. 
And, and much like we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, that God works through our brokenness. He doesn't give up on us because we are broken, because we are carrying things through our life. There's not one undefined thing that says, oh, it must be this. Those people would be more spiritual, you know, because they're carrying something that Paul has. We don't know what it is. So we can't turn around and say, it's this. The third thing we see is this. It was given to keep him from becoming proud, kept him dependent in greater measure upon the grace of God. Now, this, this is the, the important thing here. It says this was given, so he was dependent on God for everything. Paul was a missionary traveling around, planting churches and preaching. In everything that he did, he had to be dependent upon God. He didn't have anything else. He had to be dependent upon God. In his brokenness, his brokenness led him to total dependence on God. They said it didn't lead him anywhere else. It led to that in a sense that, that he couldn't do what God had called him to do unless he could depend on God. That's the reality of the Christian life though. Once we're called to do something by God, it turns us to depend upon God for absolutely everything we need. So whether our scars be physical or mental or emotional, there is something that causes each and every one of us to depend upon God. So if we're carrying what we would see tonight as a thorn in the side, as something that we feel as, oh, I've carried this through my life. When is God going to get rid of it? Maybe he's not going to get rid of it. Maybe it's the tool that he's going to use so you will learn to depend on him through everything that you are going through in your life because the promise of his word is his grace is sufficient for you. Not just for me, not just for a few people. His grace is sufficient for each and every one of us in this place. Now that doesn't mean God doesn't answer our prayer because I don't want you to think, oh, well, God's not going to answer the prayer I bring in to him. He says, I don't know which prayers God is going to answer. I often say this to people uh, when it comes to situations and circumstances, and I share this with them. I don't know whether God, we, we pray and pray and believe and believe. But there is a difference between whether God can do something, because we know he can do all things, and whether God will do something. Now, I don't understand everything about the plan and the purpose of God. I, a very, very small understanding of it. But it's that that it's entrusting God. But somewhere in the middle of whether God can or whether God will, what connects the two things together is his grace. To see us through, to be sufficient for absolutely everything we need. And sufficient is just simply everything that we need. Not some of the things that we need. Everything that myself, that you and me need. And we can relate to him, you see, because he does something. And we all would have felt like this at one point. He says, three times I pleaded with God. Three times. In his pain, in his anguish, at night, in his room, when nobody else is about, when he's looking for answers, sits down, maybe like this. And three times, God, will you answer my prayer? Would you deliver me from this thorn in my side? The next night, God, would you answer my prayer? Would you deliver me from this thorn in my side? God, would, would you answer my prayer? Would you deliver me from, from this thorn in my side? And what does God do? God doesn't give him the answer. But he gives him that statement. My grace is sufficient for you. 
Whatever it is that you need, my grace will carry you through. It will lead you through everything you do. You see, it's important to understand that God always works through our pain and our disappointment. And I wonder with Paul being human, he would have had those nights like that 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 maybe some of us have had where we would sit on the edge of the bed and we would wonder where the answer is coming from. We, we would wonder when we're thinking of, of a family and friends and situations where we don't see any answers, we'd be sitting there pleading with God, would you answer our prayer? And God doesn't answer our prayer, but he gives us the grace to strengthen us and sustain us through everything that we are facing. You see, God gave him the grace to live with the thorn, but God never took it away. I'm sure we've poured and lived today. There would be many a well-dressed preacher with it seemingly all together in a sharp suit reminding Paul of the words. Paul, didn't you write, we are more than conquerors. Paul, didn't you write about the victory in Christ. Paul, didn't you write these words to the Romans. And maybe Paul is thinking, what, about, what about those words? I've written these words to different churches. Are we more than conquerors through everything? And the reality is we are. Because the, the security and the assurance that we have as believers, and we must keep preaching that, is this. It's not just about this life. It's not just about us here. It's not just about what's going on where we're living and breathing. There will be a day when we will be more than conquerors of everything that we have faced in this life. There will come a day when we will cross from, from death to life, in a sense, because of arriving in heaven and looking back at everything that we faced in life, knowing that God always had it in control and he always gave the grace that was sufficient for everything that I need to face and for each and every one of us, that's the, 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 the reality that we face, isn't it? The pleading with God to say, God, would you answer my prayer? And he doesn't. But he doesn't ignore us or abandon us. He gives us the grace and the strength to sustain us and says, that's better for you. That keeps you dependent upon me. That keeps you always looking for your answers for me. So when you get up in the morning, you're exhausted because you've been turning all night looking for the answers. You go to your scripture. I went to the scriptures this morning and simply the devotion of the day. My hope is in God. And I thought to myself, I thought, that's it. That's all I need to read today. My hope is in God. And this is why? Because that's the grace, the sustaining the sufficiency that each and every one of us need as we face these things. Paul thinks differently. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Where we live as people, where you look at it and say, who's the strongest? He says, God turns you on his head and says, you're not mad about your strength, it's how weak you are. We didn't come to Christ in the beginning strong. I came a blubbering wreck in Glasgow in January 1993. I'm crying my eyes out after sitting at a church meeting, not listening to a word that the preacher said. Some of you can relate to that. <laughs> but God broke in. I'm not giving the excuse not to listen to the preacher, but what I'm saying is God broke in. Tears running down my face. Not because I went to God and says, God, I'm, I, I'm strong. 
and it would be helpful for you to be in my life. It was broken, broken, a mess. I mean, you didn't grow up here, so none of you knew me, so I could tell you anything I want. In January 1993, it was broken. I realized that I needed God in my life. I shared the story before, I've shared it for many years. Young people who were young people when I was a youth pastor, they'd be sick of hearing it. This picture of the drain. And the picture was a ladder coming out of the drain. I was climbing up this stinking dirty ladder out of this drain. All this dirt and muck covered in me. There was Jesus waiting at the top with new clothes. And simply knew that was the night to get saved. And every time in the last 27 years, he says, I've come back to this. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. You're finding something difficult. You're facing an obstacle. There are things that you're finding tough in your life. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, Paul understands it in these words because he understands this and I think this sums it up. It's not how am I getting through this, it is who is getting me through this. We have a God. If God is for us, who or what can be against us? So that's a reality of it, isn't it? What we face, who or what can be against us? His grace is enough for our daily lives. It's enough for the battles we face. It's enough to endure our suffering. Because God has given it, and what God gives is always sufficient. Paul understood that the, the, the weaker he was, in a sense, the stronger God became with him. And Paul goes one step further then, when he understands this, because like I mentioned in the first week, that our, that our scars tell a story, and our failures tell a story. And for Paul, here his weakness tells a story. How strong are you? It won't matter. In your worst moment of feeling weak, his strength is at work in you. And he simply says this, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. He comes to this point in his life with his failures. He comes to this point in his life with his brokenness. And he begins to boast, not necessarily about his weaknesses. He boasts about Christ's strength in his weaknesses. That everything good about Paul is what Christ has done for him, through him and in him. And how true is that of me and you this evening? That, that actually he's going to boast. Why is he boasting about his weaknesses? Because Christ is in his weaknesses. His dependence in his weaknesses is upon God. Coming as a broken man, he simply says, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses because in my weaknesses, it's all about Christ Jesus. It's all about not what we do. And, and, you know, when we come to church sometimes, you know, maybe sometimes if we turned off the lights and turned off the music and turned off the microphone, I closed my Bible, I took my sermon notes away and we sat there in total silence. Would God move as much? Absolutely. Yes, he would. Why? Because we're, we're, the, all of this stuff is helpful, but in a sense, it's not always needed. And because God wants to move in us in the, sometimes in the most simplest and basic way. That in a sense in our weaknesses, in our times when we just strip everything back and just say, you know what, it's not about my position. It's not about my gift. It's not about my talent. It's not about what I bring to God. It's not about any of that other stuff. It's just simply about my weakness. And I come to God and express it and say, God, in my weaknesses, the only thing I can do when I strip everything else away is depend on you, is to give it all to you. So nothing else then really matters. Where I think I've got to keep it up, where I think I've got to fix it, I don't. I simply just have to come to God. 
And like I said this morning, with the fountain of living water, he's always there ready for us. He's always there waiting for us. As a little child would run towards his father, knowing that as he reaches his father, you know, that, that they would be lifted up in the air, that they would be coddled and comforted and held in the hands of their father. That's the same image that God is of you and me in our weaknesses, in our struggles, in the things that we find difficult. That's the picture that God gives. We are his children. And when we come to him stripped down, bare with our failures and our brokenness and everything else, he accepts us. He doesn't turn us away. Why? Why doesn't he turn us away? He gave his son for you and for me. You see, there was a point in, there was a point. So jump through to just a few quick slides because I know my time is coming to an end. The different characters we look at in the Bible so far, we see that, that Jacob was broken by a limp. And that limp he had to carry all the way through his life. He had to carry that through his life. We see a couple of weeks ago that Peter was broken by failure. And he carried that failure through his life. Even though God, even though Christ had forgiven him and redeemed him and set him on a plan and a purpose. We see Paul tonight that he was broken by a thorn. And the thing that all these failures and mistakes and everything have in common is this. The cross of Jesus Christ covered them all. And it covers you tonight. That in everything that has ever been wrong, anything that has ever failed, anything that has ever come short, anything, says Christ covered it by dying on the cross. And that's where the picture of grace is most evident. It was what Reese said at the table this morning. He spoke from Titus and he says, this is a picture of grace. This grace that now has appeared to you. The cross is the perfect picture of grace for me and for you. And you see, we come this evening and I share that with you and tell you tonight that if there's anybody in here who hasn't accepted Christ as a saviour, who hasn't understood that in everything that you bring to him, he still takes you in. That he has done all of that because he loves you and he went to the cross for you because you matter so much to him. Even if you look at it and say, he won't accept me because of the sin, because of the dirt, because of the rubbish in my life, I tell you tonight, he accepts everybody. It's why he sent his son for you and for me. There is nobody too bad in here that would think that God would reject me, turn me away. He's there with open arms tonight. As a father, as I said with a child, if, when my kids were young, if they ran down the aisle of the church and I looked out, I wouldn't bring them to here and then slap them over to the side. I was almost rejecting them. How would they feel? I would do that now, like, but I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Why? Because they're coming to the Father. Father loving. And in my imperfections as a father, there is a perfect Father who waits for you and for me tonight. And in your brokenness and weaknesses and failures and everything else, the best thing to do is give them to him. His grace is sufficient for you and he gives you that strength that you need. Unless you will only get it from him. The answer to the world's problems is simply found in Christ Jesus. It's as simple as that. There's no better message. There's no better message for you tonight. If you're looking for help elsewhere, there is nothing that compares to Christ Jesus. There is no other name than his name. 
and he presents his grace to you and me this evening as we come to the end and the team join me on the platform as we finish this song. It's simply the line of the song. Your grace is enough. If all they do is sing that line, I don't think they're going to, but if all they do, sing that line, it is a truth that echoes out into this church, over the church, because it's simply true. His grace is enough for you this evening. It covers everything tonight. It covers, it sustains you and strengthens you and gives you something to boast about in your life that I'm depending upon him. Let us just close our eyes for a second just as we come and pray and have no distractions as we just come to the final part of our service. We want to give the opportunity for people tonight. And if you're in here as a visitor, if you're in here and you've been to church so many times already and you look at this and say, you know, I've heard what you've got to say tonight. He said, tonight's the night. No accident that I'm here. God has spoken to me. He's told me that he loves me. He's told me that he's got a plan for me. He's told me that I can come as I am. Not, not, not as I should be, not as I could be, but you come as I am. And we come tonight and we simply ask if there's anybody in here who simply wants to make that decision, that choice to become a Christian tonight, to give their heart to Jesus Christ tonight. said, I would just ask that you would just raise a hand up in the air just to signify to us, just to show us, you know what, I want to do this tonight. I've done my own thing for so long. Tonight is the night I want to do this. Tonight is the night I want to just get right with God. Is, is there anybody? Is there, I've got one hand. That's brilliant. Lady to the left here. Come on, church. Thank you. You put your hand down and we're going to come and talk to you afterwards. Is there anybody else in here tonight? Don't, don't wait. Don't wait. Is there anybody else? I believe that somebody is sitting uncomfortably in here tonight because they've heard the message so many times and they think, what about this? What about that? What will happen here? But, but listen, living for God is more important than anything. And it says, he'll work it out. He'll sort it out. Is there anybody else in here tonight? Simply says, tonight is a night. I just want to get right with God. Do you want to prolong this? Father, we come before you tonight. We thank you for this lady who has made the greatest decision of her life, Father God, to say she wants to live for you, Father. We thank you, Father God, that that you have accepted her and you've forgiven her, Father God. And Father, tonight is the beginning of the rest of her life in a relationship with you and your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, your word promises that the angels are rejoicing tonight because of one soul that is saved and Father we thank you for that and Father for each and every one of us gathered here we come tonight Father God and regardless of how we came into church tonight we go out tonight Father strengthened by your grace no matter how weak we feel you will strengthen us by your grace in everything that we have to face as we leave here because God you are not only with us you are for us And your grace is enough for each and every person in here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.